Welcome to the Painesville Assembly of God podcast. We're always encouraged to know God is working through this ministry to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending us an email at info at Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Today we're going to continue our series, Standing on the Promises, Standing on the Promises. We've been looking throughout the Bible at the many precious promises that Scripture says are given to us by God. In fact, 2 Peter 1.4 says that though uh, through these, he gave us the very great and precious promises. I mean, you know, his promises are great and precious, Amen. With these gifts, you can share in God's nature, and the world will not ruin you with its evil desires. Part of the promises of God are to transform us so that we have the nature of God, so that we begin to take on the character and the nature of God. That's the power of the gift of God's promises, is that we get to share in God's character. The enemy of this world and the brokenness of this world can lead us down to paths of destruction, but God has some promises in his word that if you will do this, then I will do this. If you will do this, I will do this. And these promises in God's word that say, listen, if you will trust me, if you will put your faith in me, if you will begin to follow what I tell you, I can spare you from a lot of brokenness and a lot of hurt and a lot of paths that you don't need to go down. That's what it talks about. How many know the world will not ruin you with its evil desires? How many know that the world, there's a lot of evil schemes of the enemy. There's a lot of schemes. There's a lot of things in this world that can ruin us. A lot of lives have been ruined by that. Evil schemes and discouragement and all kinds of things abound today because people do not know and don't know how to lay hold of the promises of God. Today, we're going to talk about one of those promises today. We're going to explore the promise of God's peace, the promise of God's peace. This is what it says in Isaiah 54, 10. The mountains may disappear and the hills may come to an end, but my love will never disappear. My promise of peace will not come to an end. How many know that's a promise today? That's a wonderful promise, isn't it? I don't know about you, but it seems today that everybody wants peace. Whether you're a national leader that is sitting across the table from other world leaders and you're trying to negotiate peace between nations or whether you're uh, a business person facing pressures and deadlines at the office or a homemaker trying to corral the kids or maybe you're just a student trying to make it through the semester, everybody wants peace. In fact, most people will go to whatever limits they can to try to find some type of peace. Most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, have to admit that sometimes we experience more stress than we do peace. Anybody say amen? Our world is full of stress. Things that that we have in our world that are designed to take away stress, I find it sometimes can cause more stress. We spend more time where we should be disconnecting and experience some Sabbath and rest and we're always connected, always on, always have these gadgets and everything else right in our face. We're always connected and that causes a lot of stress. In fact, I don't think there's anything that people talk about more or less than they they try to experience peace. And in Jeremiah's day, that was the cry The cry of Jeremiah 6.14, peace, peace, where there is no peace. There's a lot of people crying peace. Americans live in comfortable homes, but domestic violence is at an all-time high. Our cities are the most modern in the world, and yet our streets are unsafe. Communication technology is unsurpassed, but there has never been more misunderstanding. In fact, many people come to church, many of you today come to church so filled with anxiety so filled with worry that it's impossible for even my sermon today to put you to sleep. (laughs) I want to see how many of you are paying attention to that. (laughs) Wouldn't you agree that, that although there's all this peace, all this talk of peace, all these opportunities, we lack peace today? Let me give you some scenarios, and you tell me which one seems like peace to you. 
Tell me if your blood pressure goes up or down as you picture these things in your mind. The one is a busy day. It's a busy day at work, a busy day at the office, running around 10, 12 hours. Things are just coming at you. The phone never stops ringing. The, the requests never stop going. What does that do? Your blood pressure goes up, right, when you just start thinking about that, like, wow, okay, all right. But how about this? There's a picture of a jacuzzi tub set at just the right temperature. <sighs> right, blood pressure goes down. How about this one? Picture in your mind uh, a birthday party with 27 three-year-olds. <laughs> what happens to your blood pressure? <laughs> All right, I got a different one. How about a different one? A crystal clear mountain lake and a cabin with a front porch overlooking that lake. Right, a rocking chair. Ah, that'll work, right? Ah, the blood pressure goes back down. How about rush hour on I-90, I-70, I-271, or I-480? <laughs> Sitting in traffic, just not able to move because people don't know how to drive in front of you? <laughs> how about picture yourself at the beach, waves crashing against the shore, the sun setting on the horizon as it's about to go down? Oh, yeah, right? Peace. The, the, the fact is, is that there is something to our circumstances that can create a sense of calm in our lives. There's no doubt about that, but that's the different than the kind of peace. That's different than the kind of peace that God wants to give us. God promises us a kind of peace that is not at the mercy of your circumstances. When we're going to talk about God's promise of peace, we're going to look at a promise that goes beyond circumstances. There is circumstances that can bring us temporary peace, that can give us a sense of calm, but there is a peace that God gives that no matter what's happening, no matter what the circumstances, God promises a different kind of peace. In fact, if we were to define out the biblical definition of peace, it is a peace that is not dependent upon circumstances. The Hebrew Bible uses a familiar, significant word, shalom. How many have heard that word before? Shalom, shalom. And, and although in the purest sense, shalom can be translated as peace, the connotation goes beyond that. It's very positive, peace unto you. And it doesn't mean that I hope you don't experience any trouble in your life, or I hope that there's no conflict in your life. Rather, it is I have hope that the highest good is coming your way. Most people in our world don't understand the positive concept of peace. All they know is the, the negative aspect of peace, that it's the absence of trouble. In fact, the definition of peace in different languages of the world illustrates this. The Quenchua Indians in Ecuador and Bolivia have a word for peace that literally translates this, to sit down in one's heart. I like that one. For them, the peace is the opposite of running around with constant anxieties. The Chol Indians of Mexico define peace as a quiet heart. Those may be the most beautiful way that it puts it, but it seems to leave us again with the idea that peace is simply the absence of trouble. But close to the meaning of the Hebrew word shalom is something that the Quechi Indians in Guatemala define peace as quiet goodness conveying something that is active and, and aggressive, not just a rest in one's heart away from troublesome circumstances, but rather a goodness in the midst of no matter what is going on. The biblical definition of peace does not focus on an absence of trouble. It's unrelated to circumstances, the goodness of life that is not touched by what happens on the outside. Because I think it's ironic that the passage where Jesus talks about peace and talks about giving us a gift of peace is something that happened the night before he died in agony. The night before he would face a trial. The night before he would go through a trial in which he, it would be a kangaroo court in which there would be all kinds of charges that were brought against him and things that people didn't line up and all types of chaos that would come and trouble that would come and yet right before he's about to enter into this Jesus gathers his disciples around him and in John chapter 14 and verse 27 he tells them this peace I leave with you my peace I give you I do not give you as the world gives do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid 
That's the kind of peace. That's the biblical peace. Jesus is saying, I'm about to face circumstances and situations in my world that are anything but peaceful. And yet in the midst of it, I have a peace. And my peace, the peace that I have, even knowing what I'm about to go, knowing what I'm about to experience, that peace I give unto you. Don't let your heart be troubled by these circumstances because I have come to give you peace. Listen, peace is received through the person of Jesus Christ. If we're going to talk about the peace that God promises, we can't talk about that peace without understanding the person. And the person through which we receive that peace is Jesus Christ. Apart from Jesus Christ, it is not true and lasting peace. It doesn't come by sitting with your legs crossed in some place, holding your fingers together and going, oh. That is not how you achieve peace. At least not the peace that God promises. God says, I want to give you peace even when life is falling apart. My peace I leave to you. My peace I give to you. Listen, peace is a gift. It is received, not achieved. There is a peace that Jesus gives and he says, listen, my peace is different than what the world offers. The peace Jesus offers is different. The, world, the, the peace the world offers, friends, is worthless. Since 36 BC, there have been nearly 15,000 wars. Before World War II, the world had averaged 2.61 new wars every year. But since World War II, despite all of mankind's enlightenment, right, all of our organized efforts for world peace, there's been an average of three new wars every year. The New York Times once observed this, that peace is a fable. See, the peace is a fable. That's talking about worldly peace. The, the peace that this world knows is shallow and unforgiving. The, the world might offer you peace in a pill, peace in a song, peace in a drink, peace in entertainment, peace in whatever you think is going to make you happy, peace in something that you can buy, the newest fashion, the newest car, the newest house, the newest boat. That's the peace the world offers. But the problem with that peace is it only lasts as long as that package, the thing comes in. The effects of a pill or alcohol wear off. The entertainment comes to an end. The relationship that you put your hope in that was going to fulfill all of your dreams and give you peace lets you down. That fashion goes out of style. That new technology you just had to buy, you just had to have. That new car suddenly breaks down or a newer model comes out and you're left without peace. Because the world offers peace that only lasts as long as the package in which it comes in. And Jesus says that those are the treasures of earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves can break in and steal. And you might have peace for a moment and then a storm comes and blows it all away. And if you have that kind of peace, that kind of peace is not lasting and that's not the kind of peace that God promises. For God promises a peace that is beyond circumstances. Most people's pursuit of peace is, a, is an attempt to get away from problems. That's why people seek that peace through all of those things, alcohol, drugs, or entertainment, or relationships. It's a form of escapism. The fact is, apart from God, there is no real peace in this world. You're just simply putting the blinders on, trying to go to bed, forget. Forget about it. And yet you can't. Because you wake up and the ache is still there and the problem is still there because worldly peace is outside in. It begins external and you've got to take it from the external inside to find peace. But God promises a peace that is not external, that is not outside in, but that is inside out. That no matter what is going on around you, even if you are in the midst of being facing the cross, you can still have peace. You might not like it, but you can handle it. And that's the kind of peace that Jesus says, I want to give to you. My peace, my peace, I want to give to you. Now I want to talk about two promises, two, two types of peace that are promised in Scripture that we can have. The first type of peace is peace with God. Peace with God. 
This is a a promise that begins by making peace with God. You've heard that before. Why don't you make peace with so-and-so? There's a problem. And we're talking about it during communion that because of sin, we've been separated from God. We were enemies of God. But the peace of God has to start with Jesus, as we talked about. The peace of God starts with Jesus. It starts with God. Why? Philippians 4.9, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Hebrews 13.20. And in those things, God has a name. He's called the God of peace. You can't have the peace of God until you make peace with God. And that's all about having a relationship with him. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, since we've been made right with God by our faith, we have peace with God. This happened through our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice I said earlier that Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way to God. He's also the way in which we are reconciled to God and we have peace with God. The peace that God promises begins first by getting our relationship with the Lord right. Romans 8, 6 to 8 describes the difference for the mind. It says, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. There's that word. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot, and those who are in the flesh cannot please God. In the flesh, we cannot please God. In, in the flesh, when we're acting in the flesh, when we're acting outside in, when we're, when we're feeling everything and, and satisfying and trying to meet the need of peace by the flesh and by setting our minds on what the flesh says is going to fix the problem, is going to deal with the problem, then we're not experiencing the kind of peace that God wants us to have, and that is to have a peace with God. You can't truly enjoy peace if you're not right with the Lord. And that comes by being reconciled to God through our Savior, Lord, and Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.20, and through Christ, God has brought all things back to himself again, things on earth and things in heaven. God made peace through the blood of Christ's death on the cross. Friends, I want you to know that it is only through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross that we can be reconciled to God and experience peace with God. All too often we lack peace, and you know why? Because we look at peace and we look at it from a physical, visible standpoint. That peace is simply physical and visible. It's gotta be physical and visible. It's, it's, that's what I need to diagnose the problem. I go get physical, visible signs. It's merely physical, it's what I can touch, it's what I can see, it's what I can taste, it's what I, it's what I can hear, it, that, that is. And what we're dealing with is the fruit of the problem, but not the root of the problem. We try to manage our peace by externals and we believe that the problem is to focus on that physical, visible side. But the answer in the peace is not to be found in the physical, visible. The problem is often caused by an invisible spiritual root. We deal deal outwardly with a fruit and by dealing with that, we simply manage the problem without recognizing that the problem has a root cause that is invisible and spiritual. And you can do whatever you can in the physical visible. You can do whatever you can on the outside, but it's not going to take care of the root. It's only trying to manage the fruit. It's only trying to deal with the external, but it's not really dealing with the root of the problem, which is spiritual and which is on the inside. And until you deal with the spiritual, until you deal with the problems on the inside and you begin to get right with God, then the fruit on the outside isn't going to change no matter what you try. It's got to be dealt with on the inside. That's why Jesus said, that's why Paul wrote, I'm sorry, Paul wrote about the spiritual battle that we face, that it's not against flesh and blood. We are simply dealing, we try to deal with flesh and blood problems. We have these problems, we have these conflicts, we lack peace, and we're trying in the physical visible, we're trying in the flesh, we're trying to manage it in the flesh, and it doesn't go away. Oh, maybe temporarily try this, take two of these and call me in the morning. An apple a day keeps the doctor away, yeah, right. Okay, we try to deal with all of these things. And the problem doesn't go away because we stop asking ourselves is, do I really have a spiritual problem? 
Do I have to make peace with God in this area? Is there an area I've got to bring into submission with the Lord? Saul. Man, you want to go back to the Old Testament. This isn't in my notes, so I'm just stretching right now. But when I think about I think about Saul. Saul was somebody that was anointed to be king. He was somebody that God had chosen, and yet because he continually disobeyed the Lord and sought after the approval of people, there was an evil spirit that caused him to not have peace in his life. David was brought in to play his harp and to worship so that it would calm Saul down. But the problem was, again, Saul wasn't dealing with the true spiritual problem in his heart, and that was that he was not willing to submit to God. He was not willing to surrender to God. He was not willing to make God and the the glory of God more important than the glory of people or a position of power. And as a result of that, he did not have true peace in his life. He was continually struck by jealousy and worry and all of these things because he wouldn't deal with a spiritual root. And there are some of us that lack peace in our hearts because we won't deal with a spiritual root. We're not right with the Lord. You may have set a prayer at an altar. You may have a pattern of coming to church. You like it. You like when the music, you like when the presence of God is here because for a moment you're feeling that peace, but you walk out of here and that peace doesn't last because there is still something in your heart that you have not surrendered to God. There's something in your heart that he says, lay it down, take up your cross and follow me. Trust me in this area. And we don't, we continue to have our hands on it. No, I got to control this. No, I got to take this. No, I got to worry about this. No, I got to take control of this. And because of that, we don't have peace, not lasting peace. Because we're not dealing with the spiritual, we continue to try to manage it in the flesh and the physical. When your heart is under physical stress, you have a physical problem with your heart. And oftentimes what they give you is a pacemaker. But when your heart is under spiritual stress, you need a peacemaker. And that is Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, Jeremiah, the prophet in Judah, throughout the land in Jeremiah's day, there were problems rising and growing fast. There was a great army that was approaching, getting ready to destroy Jerusalem, getting ready to take people captive, and they were frightened. Peace was being removed from the land, and there was destruction coming like they had never experienced before. And in Jeremiah 6.14, it says this, they have healed the brokenness of my people superficially by saying, peace, peace, but there is no peace. In other words, they were trying to patch it, patch up their evil ways, focus on the external, peace, peace, everything's okay. Oh, that's not really going to happen. That army's not really going to take over. We don't really have a problem. Let's ignore the problem. Let's just say peace, peace. In fact, Jeremiah eight fifteen, he prophesied this, we waited for peace, but no good came for a time of healing, but behold, terror. And a few chapters later, the prophet repeats the same observation in Jeremiah 14, 19. Have you completely rejected Judah? Have you loathed or have you loathed Zion? Why have you stricken us so that we are beyond healing? We waited for peace, but nothing good came and for a time of healing. But behold, terror. Consistently, this is what Jeremiah is prophesying. We waited for peace. We waited for peace, but peace did not come. We waited for healing, but healing did not come. And then Jeremiah put his finger on the source. And in Jeremiah 16, 5, it says this, Do not enter a house of mourning or go to lament to consult them, for I have withdrawn my peace from this people, declares the Lord. Because where there was sin, there could be no peace. Where there is sin, there is no peace. And the prophet Isaiah agreed with this in Isaiah 48, 22, there is no peace for the wicked. How many know that our hearts can be desperately wicked? And we need the Lord to heal our hearts. But we can take hold of the peace because the peace comes through a person. It comes through Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ said that in this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. 
How many of you know that you have to have something to overcome if you're going to experience something to overcome? If you're going to experience overcoming victory, you've got to have something to overcome. And Jesus says, don't let that trouble you. You've got to trust in me because I have come to bring reconciliation. I've come to deal with the spiritual. And if you will come through me, I will give you a peace and we can make peace with God. And from that, you can experience the peace of God. See, that's number two, the peace of God. But the peace of God doesn't come until you make peace with God. The peace of God is a result of having peace with God. Romans 15, Paul writes about a prayer for the believers. Romans 15, 13. And he prays this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Look at this, as you trust in him. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Peace and joy are the fruit of trusting in him. True peace is a fruit of trusting in Jesus. That's the condition of receiving that lasting peace of God. What is the peace of God? Well, it's the same thing that we defined earlier about biblical peace, and that is that no matter what circumstances we face, it is the peace is given as a result of the blood of Jesus Christ making peace between us and God. It's called the gospel. And the problem is, is that we as believers don't always have this peace. We don't always have this peace something we struggle sometimes to maintain the peace of God, especially when circumstances in our lives start to get crazy. Again, we're in a spiritual battle, and you can't fix spiritual problems with physical tools. So if we go back to what Paul was talking about in Ephesians chapter 6 about the battle not being against flesh and blood, but being a spiritual battle that is fought differently, we take a look at the uh, picture that he put of a Roman soldier in the the armor of God. Ephesians 6.15, Paul writes this, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. What is the gospel? The gospel is good news that we've been made right through Jesus Christ. It is the good news that that brings us peace no matter what the enemy throws at us. That's the gospel. The gospel is that we have peace with God through Jesus Christ, through the blood of Jesus Christ, that we have become children of God, that we have become heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. That there is an eternal life that is awaiting us. How many think that's good news? Amen. But notice that Paul says in the armor to, to have your feet fitted, or if you, if you look in the, new, in the King James, your feet shod, shod with the readiness that comes, preparedness that comes from the gospel of peace. There are all kinds of shoes available today for all kinds of occasions. You've got all kinds of sneakers and tennis shoes and athletic shoes and dress shoes and work shoes and slippers and heels and all kinds of shoes for every occasion. The Roman soldiers had something similar to the athletic footwear that we call cleats. They had spikes on their boots designed to give them a sure footing in battle. That is to say that when the enemy came attacking, there was nothing that could throw them off balance or knock them over because their footing was secure. Likewise, today there are many things that the enemy comes to bring and to attack us. He tries to attack the promise of peace that Jesus gives to us. The enemy uses all kinds of ammunition to try to keep us from experiencing this promise of the peace of God. Therefore, if you want to maintain the peace of God, you've got to have your feet fitted with the gospel of peace. They've got to be shod. They've got to be fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace because the gospel in who we are in Jesus Christ, the security that we have through Jesus Christ and what he did for us on that cross, that knowledge of the gospel says that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ Jesus. Right? Neither life nor death. Right? There's a whole list of things. That's the gospel. So no matter what the circumstances throw at us, it's the gospel that steadies our footing and says, yes, there are these circumstances, but I have a peace because I know who I belong to. I know who I am. In fact, throughout Scripture, we see three tools to help us maintain the peace of God. First of all, we've got to let the peace of God rule our heart. The peace of God rule our heart. What's your heart? Your heart is your seat of emotions. I don't know about you, but when circumstances start to get crazy, that's one of the things that gets going is the emotions. 
For some of us, the emotions are, are things that, that get us all stirred up and anxious and, we, and, and, and make us cry. For others, it makes us angry. There are things that worry and a lack of peace can bring that can stir up the emotions of our heart and we can get angry and depressed and sad and anxious. But Paul gives us a tool, Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. The Greek word rule here as we approach baseball season and spring training is the word that, that we would see as umpire. An umpire. An umpire in baseball. Peace is our umpire. Let the peace of God rule your heart. The peace of God is the umpire of our heart. What does an umpire do? An umpire keeps the peace. <laughs> they make sure that the game is played smooth and in an orderly fashion. God wants to give you an internal umpire in your life, an internal umpire when life seems chaotic. Chaotic. What's the main job of an umpire? The umpire ultimately declares the way things are. If the umpire calls, is standing behind the plate, and it's the umpire that's calling whether pitches are balls or strikes, when the umpire says ball, what is it? It's a ball. Somebody may try to argue with that, but he has the rule. If they say strike, the batter may say are you kidding me? That is not a strike. But he's the umpire. He rules. When there's somebody that is running and trying to steal and there's a throw that goes to second when the ball, when the runner is trying to steal, it is the umpire that makes a decision that says, out. Well, that doesn't out. That was safe. I just want to see if you're paying attention. <laughs> out. Or safe. It's the umpire that rules in the decisions. It is not the external circumstances and it is not anybody else. It is the umpire that rules. Likewise, the peace of Christ is to make the call in your life. And the reason that this is so important is because life serves up so many choices, opportunities, and decisions. And we wonder which job to take, which conversation to have, which person to marry. Do I go on this trip? Do I spend this money? Do I attend this church? Where should I live? What should I do? And it's the peace of God that becomes the umpire in your life. He's the one that calls the shots. As we begin to align our hearts and our minds and our thoughts in Christ Jesus, and we say, Lord, I just really need to have a peace in this situation. I need to have a peace in this decision. I need to know what you are calling me to do, that there is a peace that rules over our thoughts, that rules and aligns our hearts and our desires, and that rules over areas of our life. We need the peace of God to umpire or to rule over our lives and over every decision that we make. Secondly, let the peace of God be a guard, the umpire and the guard to guard your heart and your mind. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. The word for guard is to watch. It's, a, it's, it's actually a word that means to keep imprisoned. If you really want to know what kind of watch they're talking about, they're talking about a guard that is standing, making sure that it keeps imprisoned. It's used in a military sense to stand at a post and, and guard against the, an aggression of an enemy. And when peace is on guard, the Christian has entered into an unimaginable citadel, an impregnable citadel, excuse me, from which nothing can dislodge you. And the name of that fortress is Christ. It's the gospel. The gospel of Christ to guard in peace. The peace that stands guard that keeps worry from corroding our hearts and unworthy thoughts from tearing up our minds. It's a peace that's described as one that goes beyond just natural understanding. There's situations where, where our understanding of the situation, if we look from outside in, would go, wow, I would, if I was in that situation, I would just be all upset and I wouldn't know what to do. And yet there are times when you see a believer who knows where their footing is sure in the gospel of peace, who knows who Christ is, and in the midst of that situation where everybody would go, you should be going crazy right now. You should be trying really... Did you try this? Did you try that? Did you go to this doctor? Did you have this treatment? Did you do this? Did you do that? Did you go to, did you try this? Did you do that? You're just going, no, I've got the peace of God. 
Why aren't you more upset than that? Well, because I know who's guiding my life. I know who's ruling over my heart. I, I know who's got me. Wow, aren't you more of a mess than that? No, I don't have to be a mess. Because I know in whom I am, I know that I'm in Christ. That I'm in Christ. Paul says in every situation, by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, present your request to God. There's a condition. I, I want that kind of peace, but there's a, there's a condition. That kind of peace has a condition. And the kind of condition to that peace is to, to take those worries and those anxieties and those frets and to begin to take them into the very throne room of grace. Where we have a great high priest who the Bible says is not unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but has been tempted like every one of us and yet was without sin. That we can go to that great high priest and we can find help in our time of need. Jesus was test tested. Jesus experienced the fire and yet in the midst of it experienced the peace of knowing he was in the very will of God even though he was in the midst of the fire. And that's the kind of peace that we have to have. But that peace only comes when we begin to exchange the anxieties and the worries and the stresses for prayer. And we say, Lord, here's my worries, here's my anxieties, here's my stresses, here's my checkbook, here's my bank account, here's my job, here's this relationship, here's my health, and, I, and I'm taking it to your throne, and I'm putting it in your hands, and instead he gives you peace, the peace of God. It's an exchange. You give him your greatest worries, he gives you his peace. Peace. When I start to get anxious, when my mind gets flooded with worry, when circumstances arise that, that begin to steal my peace, I turn to prayer. I turn my worry into a petition to the Lord. I, I begin to turn it with supplication. And notice it's not to be anxious. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, pray, prayer. And not only just turning that those worries, there's something else in here. We take our prayer, our supplication, that's just taken. And I'm supplicating, I'm just bringing, but there's also with thanksgiving. It was the same thing with the, with the rule in, in Colossians here. 3.15, and be thankful. I know it's not thanksgiving time. That's okay, we can talk about being thankful. What is thankful? Thankful is beginning to recall all of the ways in which God has worked in our lives. All in the ways in the past. Lord, I'm facing this right now, but I know that in my life you did this. David did that when he went up against Goliath. Here he, here he is. And Saul says, you can't go out there. He says, oh, yes, I can. I remember what happened when, when I was a shepherd and that lion came out me. Oh, I remember when that lion, and, I, 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 and God protected me from that lion. I remember that bear, when all of a sudden I'm out there, and then that big old bear starts coming. That bear come, and I, I saw how God worked. And, and if my God, my God can take care of the lion and the bear, my God can take care of this giant. Some of you have a giant in your life, a giant of worry, a giant of anxiety, whatever it is, and you need to start recalling when God acted in your favor. You need to start looking back at the testimonies of God, looking back at the times when God did those things and you say, I am thankful, Lord. I am thankful because this is what you've done in my life. This is what you did before. And if you did it before, you can do it again. That's when we start rehearsing the things of God. You say, well, I don't know if I have too many of those. And you need to get in God's word and you need to start saying, well, God, you know what? I'm so thankful for what you did in David. I'm so thankful that when, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego took a stand for you and ended up in the fiery furnace, I took a stand because you were in the fire with them. You delivered them. Their clothes didn't even have a cinch. They weren't even cinched. They didn't even smell the smoke. And then if you did that for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and brought them through the fire, then Lord, I know you're going to bring me through this fire. In fact, I know you're in this fire with me right now. So recalling, oh, I remember Daniel. Man, when he was there, he was mistreated, thrown in that, that den of lions. I remember how you shut the lion's mouth. Man, I got these people at work. I got this boss or these coworkers. They don't, they just bop, 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 bop. They're just trying to take me down. They're trying to take me out. I can worry about it or I can say, well, I know what happened to Daniel and I know, Lord, that you have the power to shut the mouths. Oh 
Come on, over and over and over and over and over again in Scripture. Lord, I don't know. Look at, I don't have enough. I don't know where it's going to come from. But you know what? I recall in your word, I recall in your word, Lord, where you, where you took just five loaves and two fish and you fed thousands. My refrigerator doesn't have a whole lot, but oh God, I know that you provide. I know, Lord, that if I trust in you, that you'll provide and I'll never go without. I won't lack for my need. Man, I need healing. But Lord, I remember in your word, man, when there was that blind man, he cried out to you on the side of the road. Blind, old blind Bartimaeus, he was climbing, crawl, he was on the side of the road, just crying out, Jesus, Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, have mercy on me. And how you went over and you had mercy and you opened up the blind eyes. I remember... I remember that woman, nobody else cared about her. She, she had that problem, that issue that just continued to come up over and over. And Doctors couldn't help her. Everybody's taking her money. But she just pressed through the crowd. And it was just a touch of the hem of your garment. Jesus, I'm going to press in in prayer and touch the hem of your garment because I know you're a healer. Because I know you can heal. Because I know you can. You raised up the dead. You opened blind eyes. You opened deaf ears. You made the lame to walk. You healed leprosy. There is nothing too difficult for my God. See, when my mind starts to worry, I need a guard over my mind. When my emotions start to get out of control, I need a guard for my emotions. And that guard is the peace of God. When we begin to say, Lord, I'm going to take it to you in prayer, and I'm going to begin to recall all of the things that I'm thankful for. See, the mind, and this is the third tool. It's where you fix your mind. The key is where you're thinking. What are you thinking? Where are you focusing your thoughts? What are you thinking on? What are you thinking on? This is not about emptying your mind. That is not how you get peace. Despite what Eastern religion says, despite what those kind of things that are out there say, you do not get peace by emptying your mind. You get peace by putting your mind on the right things. Isaiah 23.3, 26.3, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Look, because he trusts you. Why do we put our minds on Christ? Because I trust him. Because I trust him. Because I've seen his word. Because I know that his promises don't fail. I know that they are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. I know that they are true. I know I don't need to worry. I know I don't need to fret. And so rather than let my mind get all, all about, oh boy, I don't know what's coming. Oh, I'm staying awake at night. I wonder what tomorrow will hold. I wonder how I'm going to take care of this. Oh man, I got this conflict and I'm fighting with this person in my mind. I just all day long, I'm just fighting with this person. I'm having a conversation like I'm going to have with them even though I don't even know that conversation is even going to happen. But I'm having it in my my mind and I'm winning every time. I have no peace and I can't rest, but man, I'm winning that fight in my mind. That's what we do. Oh no, oh no, oh no. Well, the economy, oh no, oh no, the election, oh no, oh no, this, oh no, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I know. Because I know what his word says. Keep your mind on him. You keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. You. And, and that's where we fix our thoughts. In fact, you read that about, about uh, in Philippians where, where it said about, you know, uh, you, you don't have to worry, right, about anxious about anything. And in every situation, prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guards your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Now, verse 8 is this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, that's all the whatevers. If there's anything excellent or praiseworthy, in other words, whatever, you know, sometimes people say that, whatever, think of the good whatevers, whatever is these things, that's what you got to keep your mind on. Think about such things. Why? Because where we choose to put our thoughts, what we choose to think about, will impact our decisions, our emotions, will impact the peace that we have. Whatever you dwell on, 
Whatever you dwell, so you find yourself all anxious and worried, and I don't know, and I, I don't know what the future holds, and I don't, know, well, I don't know if I'm gonna get paid what I think I'm gonna get paid, and I don't know, I don't know how this is gonna work, and I don't know how this relationship is gonna work out, and, and I, I, I don't know about this, and I don't know, and I don't know, and I don't know. He says, don't I don't know. Start fixing your thoughts. Redirect your thoughts. Redirect your thinking. Redirect your mind if you want to experience perfect peace, the peace of God. Man, if you, if you like to read, read the promises of God. Take, take and put some of the promises of God for whatever you're anxious about, promises of God. You can search them, I and we got all kinds of tools today to do this, all right? You're not without tools, all right? There's Google, all right? There's, there's, there, there's all kinds, there's free Bible versions that are out there all over the place that you just put in. This is scriptures on whatever, whatever you're worried about. I need scriptures on healing. I, I need scriptures on the promises of, of provision. I need, I need scriptures on, 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 I need scriptures, you can find scripture. Put, those script, put them somewhere that you read them and that you see them. Put it on the mirror at your bathroom when you're trying to fix yourself and gussy yourself all up. Look at that, you're reading that scripture, that's what you're keeping your mind on. You put it on the refrigerator every time you go to eat that you're seeing right there. Put it on your little tape, a little bit on your computer screen so that you're looking up and you're reminding yourself of the promises of God. You like to sing, you like worship music, oftentimes worship music has the, has the, the promises of God right in the choruses and the lyrics that you can find yourself humming and singing over and over and over again. There are ways to keep your mind stayed on the Lord. All right, I gotta land the plane. Worship team, come on. God has promised us peace. He's given Jesus Christ to reconcile us and give us peace with God. And when you have peace with God, the promise of the peace of God is ours to rule over our hearts, to guard our hearts and our minds, and to keep our minds stayed on Him. One last little story, I promise you it's short. A young boy was a passenger on, a, on an airplane. He was flying and the airplane went into some terrible storms. There was turbulence and the passengers were just all in a panic. There were just some that were just very anxious and worried, but the, the boy was not afraid. He just sat there and, and, and just seemed as if he was in perfect peace. And finally, uh, one of the passengers that was sitting next to the boy said to him, how can you be so calm in the middle of all this? We're all panicking and you're so calm. And the young boy simply replied this, my father is the pilot. Friends, when you know who's in control, when you know who has the controls of your life, you can have peace even in the middle of storms. So the question is this, who's at the controls of your life? Who's at the controls of your life? Is it you? No wonder you lack peace. I would too. I've seen the way some of you drive. That just ruined it. I'm sorry. No, seriously, friends. Who, who's at the controls? Who's at the controls? Are your feet fitted with the gospel of peace? Are you walking in peace because your feet are fitted with the gospel of peace? So you can take your stand no matter what? Is the peace of God umpiring and ruling the decisions of your heart or is panic and anxiety and worry? Do you need to take what those anxious things, those decisions, those problems, those things that are stirring up anxiety, do you need to take it to the Lord in prayer? <laughs> do you need to refocus your thoughts on the promise of God's word so that you can maintain that peace that he promises, the peace of God? Who's at the controls of your life? Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Is there anybody here you need to make peace with God? through Jesus Christ. That's the place to start. I, you can't enjoy the peace of God without saying, Lord, I've been an enemy of yours. I am a sinner. I am away from you. I have not surrendered my life to you. I have not been born again. I've not experienced the forgiveness of sin and, and peace with God. And you're here today and you say, I want peace with God through Jesus Christ. I need to commit my life to Christ. I need to surrender my life to Jesus today. If that's you, and you want to make peace with God. You want to surrender your life to the Lord. Will you slip up your hand today? I want to lead you in a saving faith in Jesus Christ to make peace with God.
Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Secondly, today, you need the peace of God. I'm just going to trust, man. We're believers. <laughs> I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. I have made peace with God, but I struggle to maintain the peace of God. I struggle sometimes. The anxiety, the worries that can overwhelm me, and I struggle to maintain the peace of God. And you say, Pastor, will you pray for me today? Pastor, will you pray for me today? I need the peace of God. If that's you, will you slip up your hand today? Yeah, I need the peace of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, right now, we do what your word says. And Lord, we thank you. <laughs> thank you for the gospel. Thank you that your love never fails. Thank you that you're a promise keeper. Thank you that you're trustworthy. Thank you that you are faithful even when we are faithless. Thank you that you are all powerful, that you have the power to meet any need that we have. You have the power to heal. You have the power to set free. You have the power, Lord, to provide. Father, you have the power to, to move in relationships. You have the power, Lord, to do whatever is standing in our way. Lord, we just say today we trust you. And right now, Lord, we come and we bring all of these anxieties, these worries, whatever it is, and whatever it is for you, if you can just, just call it out to the Lord, whatever that is, maybe it's your health, maybe it's your finances, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's worrying about a, a child that doesn't know the Lord, whatever it is that captures, that, that gets you anxious, maybe it's about a job, whatever it is, a home, whatever it is, just call it out to the Lord. Lord, this is, this is, what, is, this is, a, this is a, what is causing me to be anxious, and Lord, I'm just putting it in your hands. I need your peace. I need an exchange of the peace of God. Jesus, right now, I give it to you. You're the one who gives peace. And so I give it to you, Jesus. I cast all my cares on you because you care for me. I cast all my cares on you. Here it is. We exchange it, Lord, for your peace. Father, right now, I pray that as we do that, as we fix our minds on you and your promises, I pray that your peace would just begin to overwhelm right now in the name of Jesus. Your peace would begin to pervade right now in Jesus' name. Your peace, the peace of God, hallelujah. Thank you for your peace, thank you for your peace, thank you for your peace, the peace that is in Jesus Christ. The peace is in knowing that I am his. The peace in knowing that I am his, that he is directing my steps. Jesus, take the controls of my life. <laughs> take the controls of my life. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And we can do that because he is good. Come on, stand and let's just go out by reminding ourselves that he is good. And if you need prayer, maybe you need prayer because you're just struggling with that peace or whatever it is, you've got a need. We want you to just exercise this in prayer today. Will you come and let us pray for you today as we just focus on his goodness today before we close. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened by God's word. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, please visit PainesvilleAG.com.